Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Digital Engagement, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is our digital engagement show, and you're in the right place because this is where the best run. This is season seven, episode six, in case you're keeping track. I have to as the producer and host. We have a really interesting topic for you today. Important to everyone. If you're in business around the world, you have to be digitalized by now, and you have to have digital engagement. So let's talk about that. I have two quotes for the buzz to open the show. One is from Adam Audette, who is the CKO. I didn't know what that was. That's the chief knowledge officer at a company named RKG. And here's the quote. Today, it's not about get the traffic. It's about get the targeted and relevant traffic. Oh my, this may be new to some of you. Here's buzz number two from a website called VWO.com. Here we go. Optimizing your website. That's our key today. Optimizing your website for real people helps you gain your visitors' trust, Starts building a relationship. We know that's what it's all about. It lets you sell products without having to jump on a sales call. Oh my. So let me give you a little bit of history. This is from Wikipedia, one of my reliable sources. Webmasters and content providers began optimizing websites for search engines back in the mid-1990s as the first search engines were cataloging the early web, and the web was spelled with a capital W. Initially, webmasters only needed to submit the address, or as we know, the URL of a page to the search engines, which sent a web crawler to crawl that page, pull out the links to other pages from it, and return the information found on the page to be indexed. So talking to all of you marketers out there, because we know you are our global listening audience. Are you a marketer who still assumes web optimization and SEO search engine optimization are the same thing? I want my guests, I haven't introduced them yet, but I want you all to put up a finger and wag and say, no, no, no. Come on, all three of you, Aaron and Diego and Tom, no, 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 they're not the same. Web optimization and SEO are not the same. So here's a reality check. Web optimization is more than just SEO. It's a critical step for an effective digital marketing program because it incorporates on-page and off-page enhancements to ensure your pages are found. Well, isn't that the basic requirement? And visitors to your website take the actions you want them to take. So I'm going to ask Aaron Zitzer at SAP. I'm sorry, at the Avanti Group. I see. Are you at SAP or are you with the Avanti Group? Aaron? I I am a consultant at SAP. I'm part of the Avanti Group. There we go. We got that straight. Aaron Zitzer is here. Tom Shapiro at Stratabeat. Tom waves uh, hello. Somebody will see this video eventually, my friend. So we know that. And Diego Pineda at Vengresso. Say hello. He's a newcomer recently to Vengresso. We haven't had any Vengresso people on in a while. And we're going to ask them for their expert insights on our topic today. You already guessed. Web <coughs> optimization. Listen to this topic title. It's really cute. Make your customer's digital journey suck less. I didn't come up with that, but that's really out there. So welcome, Bonnie D. Graham in the house. Happy to be here. Aaron Zitzer, I'm going to put you up first. I'm going to put you on full speaker view. Would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself to our global audience? Aaron, tell us what you do, what the relationship is between Aventi and SAP, and what's your passion for digital engagement and for web optimization? Aaron Zitzer, welcome. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Um, so my background, um, I based out in the Silicon Valley and have been in marketing and product management roles for 25 plus years. So it was kind of funny when you were mentioning the history lesson. I've been there and remember that. Um, and I, I worked at a number of startups and then uh, also had an opportunity to work at companies like Yahoo and LinkedIn. Um, but the reason that I'm so passionate about this topic is that I started off my career more in a product management role and defining new products and bringing them to market. And it was not too fun to get my product out there, but have nobody know about it. Um, and there's so much competition out there, um, you know, for, for eyeballs, if you will. Um, so just making sure that people were aware of my product and, and able to find it made me dig more and more into this topic. So that's why I'm so passionate about it and have a little bit of experience doing it. Thank you a little bit. I would certainly say so. Aaron Zitzer, I call it Earshare today. Because while we're on the air right now, I'm probably getting at least five invitations in Diego at Vengresso probably knows this because they're probably something coming from your company. So-and-so is on the air now. Listen, watch, right? Earshare is, if you can't watch, listen. So much going on with people promoting. And today, the name of the game isn't sell, promote, force, push, extract, make people do something it's relationships right it's trust all the good words i mentioned in my opening so thank you aaron setzer for joining us we're really happy to have you here and let's go to tom shapiro next tom is at stratabeat we'd love to know a little bit about your company tom and what's your passion for our topic welcome great thanks bonnie thanks for having me uh so i've been in the digital space for a very long time the, the very first website that i developed was in 1994 so four years before Google even existed. You know, I, I think most people didn't even have an email address back then. Uh, and so I've seen a lot of evolution through the years with digital, obviously. And uh, at a certain point in my journey, I joined an agency called iProspect, which was focused on SEO. Uh, and uh, Forrester Research actually named the agency the number one SEO agency in the country twice while I was there. It was very interesting. I joined as the 85th employee and it was like a, a rocket ship. We grew to over 700 employees within five years. Uh, and so it was, it was a lot of fun. But then I decided that I, I really would like to expand beyond just SEO and look at user experience and look a little bit more holistically at the digital experience. And so that's why I founded Stratabeat. So Stratabeat is a branding and digital marketing agency. We have special expertise in SEO, content development, and content marketing. Thank you very much. Did you say you developed a website in 1994, Tom? Was that the year you gave? Yes. I think I remember 1994. Was it AOL around that by then? Weren't they? I, I think they were shipping the CDs in magazines then. <laughs> I think I installed one and I got an email address and I used to invite my neighbors in. I was on Long Island in Great Neck and I used to invite my neighbors in to hear the handshake. Does anybody remember the handshake? Do -do 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 Boom! And you were connected and they used to come into my apartment and listen and I'd say, yes, I'm on AOL. They said, what is that? I said, I'm emailing. They said, what is that? And I remember joining uh, something called the Med Jokes Group. I still know some of the people all these years later it was a group of, of doctors and lawyers who sent jokes around and I used to print them out and put them in binders I'm not kidding you <laughs> Diego's looking saying what's a binder what's a printer I know. 
And I had, I had one of my first radio shows in 1995, and I used to bring these jokes to the radio station to read them on the air because it was, it was a whole new experience. Anyway, thank you for the memories as well. Speaking of Diego, we're happy to have you, Diego Pinedo. We're lo- lovely to meet you, the newest member, I think, of the Vangresso team. I've been working with Vangresso on radio shows for many, many years, not 94, but many years here at SAP Radio, and we'd love to have you introduce yourself. Diego, go ahead and welcome. Sure, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Well, I've been developing content strategies and content since 2004. Uh, even when before we talked about inbound marketing, we call it internet marketing back then. I remember creating an ebook and selling it on a landing page for $29. Uh, that was amazing back then, right? <laughs> so uh, then we moved into marketing consulting and video and I started as a science writer, then moved into business writing, marketing, and now I've been Gresso, um, the director of um, digital and content marketing, been there for a year and a half, and passionate about, you know, bringing more people to the website and, and web optimization and conversion, and excited about this topic. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you. And rumor has it you're a novelist as well. We can say that you're a, a real person who writes. Uh, what kind of novels do you write, Diego? Right, so uh, I started writing mysteries and thrillers, and now since my wife owns a, a school and we work with, she works with kids, and I teach creative writing for kids, I started writing uh, middle grade books. So I'm working on a on a series of uh, middle grade uh, fiction. Wow, that's all I can say. Talk, talk and storytelling is part of part and get part of getting a website to be effective, right? And bringing people in. Storytelling is the way businesses have been moving for the past few years. So you're right in the right place. Interesting. Thank you all. Does either Aaron or Tom have any uh, side passions or hobbies you want to share with us? As long as we're talking about Diego's writing career, Aaron, anything interesting you want to share? Nothing as interesting as that. <laughs> oh, this is not a competition. <laughs> Tom, anything you want to share? Well, as long as we're talking about books, uh, so I, I also wrote a book. Uh, it, I don't think that it was as interesting as uh, Diego <laughs> sounds, but um, it was a marketing book. So rethink your marketing, uh, talking about seven different strategies to unleash revenue growth. So talking about how you can apply lateral thinking to your marketing to unleash growth. And what year did you write the book? Uh, 2017. So it's very recent, still yep. still out there. Very yes. nice. Very, very good. Yep. You can find, find it on Amazon. Yep. There you go. It's okay to pitch. Aaron Zitzer, now do you want to share anything with us? You've been doing any writing or biking or music composition or anything you want to talk about? Um, I mean, actually, my passion <laughs> is kind of a side project. Um, I'm actually a realtor. So I moved out of the Silicon Valley a couple hours away up into the foothills in California. And when I moved here, I found so many people down in the Bay Area that wanted to do the same thing. And so I got my real estate license and I do that part time. So well, that's very interesting too. people get out of the rat race. There you go. See, everybody is doing something to contribute. And I get to bring out the best of all three of you, which is why I get up in the morning. My passion is talking to smart people and who are real people as well. Now we're going to move on to the part of the show. I'm hearing some noise in the background from something. Uh, part of the show, the next part is where I've asked my guest to send me a quote from a movie or TV character or a song. And the quote's on the surface of absolutely nothing to do with the topic. And they're going to explain in the one words how they think it does have something to do with the topic. So Aaron Zitzer has sent us a quote from the song Naive by the Kooks. This is back in 2006. Let me just read a little background here. Naive by the British indie rock band, the Kooks, released in March of 2006. 
as the fourth single from their debut studio album. It charted at number five in the UK singles chart, and it was the best-selling single of their career. They also charted in New England, New Zealand, and on the Billboard Modern Rock charts. Here's the quote. Aaron, you ready? Here's sure. the quote you picked. I'm not saying it was your fault, although you could have done more. Oh, you're so naive. Oh, I hope I said that right. Aaron, did I do okay? You did good, yeah. Thank you, dear. Okay, now you get to tell us why you picked this quote and what does it have to do with our topic, web optimization. Go ahead. So it's on a bunch of my playlists. I heard it just a couple of years ago, and I just really liked the song, um, so it popped in my head. And when we were thinking about this topic, I honestly believe, and I was in this camp myself, that you know a lot of people think that they're doing everything that they can um, when it comes to web optimization. I don't think the kooks wrote the song about web optimization, um, <laughs> but it, I think it definitely applies. Um, there's always something more that you can do, and you're naive if you think you're doing everything you can. Very nice. Thank you very much. I like the quote because I like learning about music groups I never heard of. So thank you very much. So I'm naive about naive. There you go. And now I'm not anymore. Thank you, Aaron. Tom Shapiro has sent us a quote from Harry Dunn, played by Jeff Daniels in the movie Dumb and Dumber, 1994. You're hooked on 1994, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed. <laughs> web, all right, AOL, writing your first website. Here we go, Dumb and Dumber, 1994, no reflection. American comedy film directed by Peter Farrelly, starring Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. Daniels, the story of Lloyd Christmas, played by Carrey, and Harry Dunn, played by Daniels, two dumb but well-meaning friends from Providence, Rhode Island, who set out on a cross-country trip to Aspen, Colorado to return a briefcase full of money to its owner, thinking it was abandoned as a mistake. I'm going to stop there because the description is one sentence, Tom, and it goes on for five minutes. So I'm going to stop there. So this is an interesting quote. I'm, I'm going to read it with a straight face. According to the map, we've only gone four inches. I'm turning it over to you, Tom. What does this have to do with web optimization? Go sure. And I, I realize this is ridiculously silly, but <laughs> I think it's, it's, a, it's a perfect analogy for the way that a lot of marketing teams have been going about their search engine optimization. They've been misinterpreting the map of how to go from here to there. Uh, and, you know, you see it all the time uh, it, it, in a more literal sense you know, you, as a marketer, you want to be following a customer journey map, right? And then SEO is going to be different depending on where they are uh, in the stage of their customer journey. So that's a literal interpretation. But also, if we think about this more holistically, you know, we see all the time uh, companies that focus on their branded terms and they're ignoring non-branded, which is has even greater value and greater opportunity for growth for the company. Or, you know, you see CEOs all the time shouting out, hey, why aren't we showing up for this term or that term? It's totally random and it's not part of any methodical program. Or we, we did an audit the other day for a, a company where they didn't even realize they had rogue YouTube channels. So, you know, you, you find their content all over the place and, and these really bizarre off-brand videos were showing up and representing their brand. And so, you know, what, so I, I found the quote really funny, but also very apropos because I really feel that a lot of companies, you know, are not interpreting the map correctly of how you really go from here to where you want to be. Very interesting. Speaking about Rogue, I discovered about five years ago that various of my, I, I've created over 50 radio series since 2011, so I'm out there. And 
I discovered that radio, online radio stations were picking up bits and pieces of my shows and they had channels dedicated to what I was doing on various shows. I'd never heard of these companies. I didn't know they existed. I was finding me on other stations and other channels with select episodes that some editor or curator had decided were worthy of being on their channels and it was all over the place. So very interesting. They weren't doing anything wrong, Tom, but I, I didn't know that this this curation was happening and this, I, I'm going to say the word co-opting, maybe that's the wrong thing, of taking content and putting it somewhere else and saying, look what we found. I just didn't know. So I'm sure there's a lot of that going on. Yes, all kinds of things are going on right now. The web has evolved, and we know that. Social media has evolved. Digital engagement has evolved. Speaking of evolving, I'm going to move on to our third special quote. Diego Pineda at Vingresso has sent us a quote from Montgomery Lightning McQueen, voiced by the one and only Owen Wilson in the movie Cars, a 2006. We moved from 1994 up to 2006. Animated Pixar film. Lightning McQueen is an anthropomorphic, see, I can pronounce that word, stock car in the animated Pixar film Cars. It sequels Cars 2, Cars 3, and the TV shorts known as Cars Tunes. The character is not named after actor and race car driver Steve McQueen, but after Pixar animator Glenn McQueen, who passed away in 2002. I'll leave it there. Here's the quote, four words. I love short quotes, Diego. This is cool. <laughs> I'm speed. I'm lightning. Wow. I got to use that somewhere. Diego, how did you find this quote and how does it relate to our topic? Go ahead. Well, it's uh, it's stuck in my head because my kids uh, they used to watch Cars when it came out like a thousand times a day, and uh, on speed and lightning, right? So it, this is Lightning McQueen talking to himself. But I, the the way I think it applies to our topic is I once the the number one predictor of success for a startup is the speed of execution, and I think it it uh, relates to web optimization in terms that. Uh, Things are changing really fast. The algorithms are uh, for search engines are updated all the time. Uh, people's behaviors are changing all the time. So we have to be really fast, really quick at changing and reviewing, optimizing, uh, um, you know, even uh, speeds and the mobile and new technologies. If we want to have success with web, uh, with SEO and web optimization, we have to be really fast implementing any every changes and just uh, tracking all the time our results. Thank you very much. Speed is certainly important today, as well as understanding what it's all about. And that's why we're here today talking about the difference between web optimization and search engine optimization. There is a difference, and my panel of three experts are going to help explain this. And now we're a part of the show at the section of the show where I've asked my guests to send me four statements each about the topic. I'll pick one from each of you, maybe more if we have time. I'm going to start with Aaron Zitzer's statement number one. I've sent it to you in the chat, Aaron. I'm going to read the statement, which is brief, very much to the point about our topic, of course. I'm going to ask Aaron to unpack it. Pretend we're on a news show, Aaron. Would you unpack this news item, please, <laughs> sir? And then we add what's called the magic sauce. That's what I call it. I'm going to invite Tom Shapiro to agree or disagree with Aaron. No one-word answers. This is all thought leadership. And Diego, you get the privilege and pleasure or the task of agreeing or disagreeing with both Aaron and or Tom. So you've got twice as much content to talk about. So here's what Aaron said. Most people understand that content and keywords are important for SEO, but many don't consider their target audience and their needs or leverage research tools that can help with content development. Let's focus on that. Mr. Zitzer, you're up. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, 
going back real quickly on the history part, I mean, I remember the first web pages that we would put up. It was all about, you know, just trying to pack it with keywords and you've got your meta tags and make sure that you have uh, images tagged. And it, you were, it was kind of like a checkbox of things that you would uh, go through to make supposedly make sure that your page would rank high in the search. Um, Today, the world is very, very different. Um, there's so much data out there, so many tools that you can use to find out what your target audience is actually looking for. What is their intent? What it's what are they trying to accomplish? Um, you can look and, you know, Google has tools. You can analyze your competitors' tools. You can analyze social media to, to see what conversations are happening and use all of that as ingredients to help you build your content for the page rather than what we used to do, you know, which was build your page and then retroactively try and, you know, make a bunch of links. Um, so I, I just think a lot of people skip that step. They, they start thinking that they already know their audience when they should take a step back and, and use some of these tools to make sure that that's the case. Make sure that you're using the words that they're actually looking for. Do you have a favorite tool you would recommend, Aaron? Um, there's no favorite and there's always, there, there's always stuff coming out that's, you know, better than the last. So I, I think it's also important to, with, with all of this, be agile and, you know, continually learning and taking advantage of what tools are out there. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say that there's a favorite. Okay. We might, might mention some names that will be specific. So the audience will know where, where to go or what to look for anything you want to mention. Uh, just even as simple as if you use um, uh, Google AdWords, they have a keyword tool. Okay. I mean, that, that's a simple one just to see, you know, and, and it'll make recommendations. So you see, and actually this is a kind of a relevant example too. So part of my career, I led Yahoo Finance, um, so the stock quote site, and we wanted to keep people on the site as long as possible. And so we would use user intent and what we knew about users to help them find additional content. So if you were on a quote page for Apple, we knew from our data that people that looked at Apple also looked at these other stock quotes. And so we would make those available right on that page just to keep them there longer. So it's kind of a related use of that. Thank you. Good, good advice for our audience. Tom Shapiro, agree or disagree? By the way, Aaron Zitzer is a very nice person. And if you disagree with him, it's okay. He told me. He'll give you a pass on this one. Tom Shapiro, what do you have to say? Talk to us. Well, I completely agree with Aaron. So <laughs> I think he's spot on. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, that you, know, you can use a, a technology stack to explore your audience in much more detail than, say, you, you could have in the past. And it's imperative today. Uh, what, what we would recommend is, is looking at it from a persona basis, right? So if you, if you can understand the persona in as much detail as possible, or at least the audience segment in as much, uh, in as much detail as possible, it's, it's going to help you connect with that audience much better. It's one thing to target keywords and topics, but you really need to connect and engage and convert them. The only way you're going to do that is, is by understanding them as much as possible, um, if, if you'd like me to mention a couple of tools that yeah. we use, happy to do that. Yeah. So, so uh, Ahrefs, which is kind of a Swiss army knife of SEO tools. Uh, it's everything from, you know, keyword research uh, to questions research. What are the questions being asked online? Uh, you can do it across Google. You can do it across YouTube. Um, you can also look at links, where, where are links coming from, uh, uh, where, you know, what it, you can research content uh, based on certain topics. Uh, and so that's very useful. We also use a tool called ClearScope, 
which highly recommend. Uh, and that, that would be used on top of Ahrefs instead of in, in replacement of it. And, and what it does is it, it helps you connect uh, a content piece to not only one keyword, but the related keywords as well. And it's very, very effective. So I strongly recommend it. Market Muse is another tool in that same vein. And it's very interesting because it customizes the recommendations based on your specific domains, domain rating. So very, very effective. And if you're looking to understand your audience and where they're going online, what information they're consuming online, I would recommend a tool called Spark Toro, where it's very, very easy and, and very fast to figure out what are the podcasts that they're listening to? What are the YouTube channels that they most watch? What are, what's in their bios? Um, what are they talking about online? It's a fantastic way to dig deeper into personas. Wow, that was a lot of good information between you and Aaron. We've got a whole list of things to use. Diego, no pressure. I'd love to know, agree or disagree, or add to the toolkit. Diego Pineda, go ahead. Yeah, I would add to what Aaron and Tom said. You know, it's important to know your audience, but I mean, more than tools, I think you have to go beyond sometimes because buyer personas are great. Uh, you can go and have like, I would say there's a theor theoretical part that you can go and fill like the HubSpot template for your buyer persona, the age, the title, uh, their hobbies and all that. But what I like to do is I, we use Gong uh, to, so we listen and as a marketer, I listen to sales calls. I watch the recordings of sales calls. Why? Because I want to listen to our clients. I want to listen to what they're saying, the questions they're asking where they're coming from, what are their concerns, right? Because uh, really you can, I think if you want to connect to your reader and you want to write for your reader, you want to make a good uh, impact on them, you have to connect with them emotionally. And it's hard to connect emotionally with an avatar or a buyer persona. So you need to, to talk to, to listen to people, to talk to customers and that way to know them more intimately. And that way you can actually do what, what Aaron was saying, you know, know them. So I would add, uh, um, tools like Gong, that where you can listen to uh, sales intelligence, uh, listen to calls, and and just just uh, good old market research. You know, talk to people. Thank you. Wow, we weren't even planning on this, but once we started talking about tools, Aaron, thank you for a really good conversation started for the first part of our roundtable. That's why I love to have, just for the listener's knowledge, we don't get everybody in a room and say, okay, we're going to put 12 statements together and we'll assign four to Aaron and four to Tom and four to Diego. This is all done from their own viewpoint, from their own corner, if you will. And then we come together and I pick the ones I think that will be most interesting for the audience. And this was very interesting to me as well. I'm the audience as well as the moderator because I'm learning from all of you. So Aaron, kudos for the great conversation started for the first part. Tom Shapiro, you're up next. I've picked your statement number one. It is very interesting. I'm going to just read one, I'm going to read two sentences out of it. It's long and have you go. So everybody listen up. This is important and it may be counterintuitive or it may be quietly intuitive. So here we go. He says, stop being so logical. Harvard Business School Professor Emeritus Gerald Zaltman pointed out that 95% of a purchase decision is based on the subconscious. I'm going to stop there. I don't want anybody to know what I'm really thinking. <laughs> Tom Shapiro, go ahead and unpack this for us. This is interesting. Please. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, we want to go beyond just SEO in this conversation, right? We want to understand web optimization more holistically. And what we find is it, it's not enough just to target keywords. It's not enough to target topics. You really need to uh, engage with your audience on a subconscious level if you want to maximize your marketing results, uh, including, including your SEO results. And I'll, I'll explain in a minute. Um, so the neuroscientist Antonio Damasio ran some really interesting studies on people who had damage to the part of the brain that triggers emotions. In other words, these people could not feel any emotion. They couldn't feel happy. They couldn't feel angry. They couldn't feel sad. And what he found was because they couldn't feel strongly enough about any option, option A versus option B versus option C, they would endlessly waffle and they couldn't make decisions, right? It was very, very difficult for them to make any decisions. And so what he found was that it's actually emotions that drive our decision-making and then we rationalize our decisions after that. And so when we apply this to SEO, web optimization, um, you know, let's, for example, let's look at link building, which is one of the very most important aspects of SEO, right? Uh, and it's web optimization goes beyond your own website. We're talking about how you can get other websites linking back to you, right? Well, it's very, very difficult and it's a challenge for all SEOs. Uh, and so the best way that we find to do it is to follow these principles. Stop being so logical. <laughs> Don't try and explain yourself. Don't try and explain your, your uh, technology. Don't try and explain your product or your service. What you want to do is focus on evoking an emotional response out of your audience. And once you can do that, your results skyrocket. And I'll give you some examples. So um, I talked to the marketing team at uh, BuzzSumo, which is a content marketing research tool. And what they found was whenever they did proprietary research, their external links would explode, right? They, they would have the best results. And so, for instance, if they would uh, publish a title such as, uh, you know, studying 100 million headlines to figure out, you know, the, the, the best headlines uh, for your articles, uh, you know, that would have the best performance. Or uh, the, one of the founders of uh, WordStream, Larry Kim, uh, had a great example where uh, back in the day when Facebook was, was uh, approaching its IPO, um, he ran an interesting study where he was comparing the effectiveness of Facebook ads versus uh, Google display ads. And what he found was that Google display ads at that time were much, much more effective. And if you recall, the Facebook IPO was a dud, right? It, it flopped. It was a big disappointment for Facebook. And so he came out, he came out with content with, with an article saying, oops, I ruined the Facebook IPO. And it was all about, you know, this comparison study, right, of, of Facebook ads versus the Google Display ads. And this is at a time when, for example, General Motors was saying, oh, okay, we're not going to advertise with Facebook anymore. And, and there was a lot of tumult in the market. And so by his being created, by his trying to evoke an emotional response with his title rather than being explanatory or, or, or you know, very literal uh, very accurate with, with his title, he was able to generate over 10,000 backlinks within seven days. And so that's the power of try, you know, really focusing on emotions and evoking an emotional response. You get a very, very different reaction and you get very, very different results. 
I, I love what you said, and I'm, I'm looking back at the title that Kirsten Boileau selected for this episode. It's Web Optimization, Make Your Customer's Digital Journey Suck Less. We've never used those words in a title in about 5,000 shows I've done for SAP. And I was intrigued. I said to myself, what? And then I realized that's something that will make people sit up and say, did they really say that? That's the title of a radio show by SAP. So anyway, thank you for that. Very, very interesting. Yeah, the emotional part, the subconscious. Isn't that where you really want to play to? Isn't that why we talk about storytelling today, Tom? It's become so popular. Not just your brand, your logo, your colors. After a while, okay, it'll be memorable. Yeah, I've seen that before. But the brand story, the story you're telling on your website, right, with your content, the story, that's where we get people to relate. That's the emotions. And thank you very much. Diego, you happen to be right now virtually, digitally sitting next to Tom Shapiro. So I'm going to ask you to agree or disagree or just keep building it out. Go ahead, Diego. Yeah, Thomas, uh, I agree. You know, it's uh, it's the science is, is what the research says and what you should go after. And one thing thing is I, I always advocate for hybrid content. It's not just uh, words on a page, but you want video, you want audio. And here's where video comes uh, in uh, with that emotional response. You know, research has shown that because of mirror neurons, people respond to our body language. So it's not the same thing when you're just listening to something, reading something, but when you're watching someone, uh, you mimic their reactions, their body language, their facial expressions, right? So a way to convey and uh, uh, do that emotional part on our website. It's to include video everywhere we do, right? And just have that emotional connections. And even uh, we just created a, a commercial and we just created a story about how we help sellers. And it's, it's very emotional with the music, with the, with the footage. And, and we even people have cry and, and say, oh, this is very emotional, right? So it's just, you can be a B2B company. You can be a professional services company but you can create emotion by using video, using music, using images that, you know, connect that connect with people. So I totally agree with Tom. Thank you very much. Aaron, let's get you in here. What do you think? Agree? It's kind of hard to disagree, but go ahead. I challenge you. Go ahead. It's hard to disagree. You're absolutely right. Um, I mean, it, it seems almost obvious, but I think a lot of people overlook it, right? And they like to just dig in and talk about features and functions and things like that, bits and bytes. Um, but, you know, as you were reading the the quote and as Tom was talking more about it, it took me back to when I went through sales training years ago, like the spin selling, right? So, I mean, it talks about moving away from just the situation, but getting into the actual implication of that situation and what are your needs, Um you know, more and more companies now are talking about pains, gains, jobs to be done. Um, you know, if you can focus on those aspects, um, I think testimonials also really help to kind of drive the point home. Um, and in a way, I mean, Tom was talking about the importance of backlinks. I mean, in a way, backlinks become validation and testimonials almost too, right? So if those companies or other sites are referring people to you, then you've got that extra kind of validation there behind it. So absolutely agree. I mean, focus on the emotional aspects and that's what's going to drive. It'll drive social sharing. It'll drive, you know, all aspects. Thank you very much. Tom, anything you want to say back to your two co-panelists here before we move on? No, I, I, I agree with everything that they said. And yeah, I think, I, I think what's interesting is that 
in optimization circles, this is not talked about enough. You know, it's okay. so it's so important to evoke an emotional response to connect on a subconscious level, yet what's dominating the conversations typically is talk of how you select the right keyword, how you select the right topic. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that there's a lot of neuroscience and behavioral science and human psychology that when you cross-pollinate these topics together, it, you know, it, it, the results that you get are just dramatically different. I think it's a big, it's, it's a game changer. Well, speaking of which, I'm going to move on to a statement by Diego. And this is interesting because it's bringing us back down to a different part of reality of the topic. We're going to introduce a little controversy. I've picked statement number two for you, Diego. I put it in the chat. And he says, B2C brands and advertisers have sold us the idea that marketers are entertainers. But... Diego says, the reality is that people are looking for answers to their business problems when engaging with B2B brands, not clever messaging or generic information. Okay, Diego, you're up. Wow us with this one. This is interesting. Go ahead. Yeah, I've been hearing this a lot. You know, you have to become entertainers and make make your uh, content more entertaining to keep people on the page. But in fact, when you look at the statistics and the research, the people are looking for answers. That's why, you know, uh, Google is, uh, they have the, the snippets where you can, you do a search and Google will just give you the answer right there on the uh, search results page. So you don't even have to click on the link and go to a website. So people are looking for information. I mean, if I want entertainment, like I'll go to Netflix, I go to Disney Plus, uh, or, or read books, right? So uh, I know people uh, as a B2B marketer are looking for information and I want to, to give them the answers they're looking for. And that's how I optimize, you know, for SEO and, and for when people get to our, to our page that they see the answer is there. We have a table of contents. This is what we'll cover in this article. So they will know, uh, they don't have to read 3,000 words to find the answer. They'll, they'll just can't skim the table of contents and they'll know it's there, right? So I think that's part of uh, what we have to do is be uh, just on point and give people the information they're looking for more than just entertain and, and put a lot of fluff into our content. Very interesting. Two points I want to make before we go to Aaron and, and then to Tom to comment. Number one is I've noticed in the past few years, several websites that post content articles on business topics have a little note at the top that say three minute read or five minute read. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's basically saying, okay, you're busy. You might not have wanted to sit down and read this, but we're telling you it won't take much time. So can't you carve three minutes out of your very busy day to read the rest of the content that we prepared for you? So I think there's a psychological note in there, like we care about your time and we don't want to waste it, but we really want you to read it. So Mark three, block three minutes and you're fine. The other thing is that I've noticed in um, news articles, and I'm not going to mention what papers I read, but I wake up and read a major paper every day, read the headlines. I've noticed that the headline, the explanation of the headline, Diego, to your point, is buried usually in the 15th to 20th paragraph of the article. And the headline might be catchy. And I might say, oh, that's interesting. I'd like to know more. I have to read literally 17 paragraphs till I get to what the headline was trying to say. And this is getting to be a style. And I'm wondering if this is forced reading. It's like, you want to know what I really think about this? Well, you're going to have to invest a lot of time in slogging through all my content. It is happening more and more. So I appreciate what you said. I'm going to be quiet now. Aaron Zitzer, agree or disagree with Mr. Fineta? Go ahead. 
So it's it's interesting. I definitely agree, but I think that there's a balance because people, like you were just saying, I mean, there there is a short attention span these days. There's a lot of competition, so you want to be memorable, but without being corny, I'll say. Um, you know, especially on mobile, you know, people just switch off. Um, another thing that popped into my head is, um, you know, I, I've worked with some clients where to your point about headlines, you know, and it could be a headline in an article, it could be the subject line of an email. Um, but if that doesn't match what your expectations are, then you've, you know, lost the trust of that reader. Um, so there's a, a fine balance between, you know, brand awareness and being memorable, but, you know, being corny or losing trust. The trust, you lost the trust of the reader. Thank you, Aaron. That crystallizes what I was trying to say. Appreciate that. Tom, thoughts about what Aaron said about Diego, what Diego, Diego said? Go ahead. Yeah, so it, it makes me think of aligning with search intent, right? Uh, you know, if someone is looking for a quick answer, you really need to give them a quick answer. If someone is looking for a, a list, a how-to list to get something accomplished, you really need to give them that list and give them all the steps. If someone is looking for the best of, then, then you need to, to give them the entire selection. It can't just be focused on one product. It has to be giving them options and, and proving out comparatively what is the best. If someone is looking for something that requires a tool, like a, like a grader, for example, or a calculator, you, know, you need to give them a tool. It can't be a blog post about that. It needs to be the actual tool. And so I think aligning with search intent uh, is directly connected to what uh, Diego is saying. Uh, and and it, it, I agree. I, I think that that does improve your results and it, and it, it increases conversions ultimately. Thank you very much. Diego, this was your topic, a really good one. Would you like to say anything back to your co-panelists? Yeah, so uh, I would say uh, I read an interesting article by Neil Patel recently, and he said that he did a, like, sort of a study on his content, and he found out that uh, the content that had a storytelling, the content that he used, uh, like telling a story at the beginning, it started dropping in the rankings while the content that got to the point right away is starting going up in the rankings. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that uh, Google, it's, uh, it's doing to, I mean, sadly through storytelling, but it's the truth. I mean, it's, it's the reality, right? People are looking for answers. I think we just came up with the title for a future show. Sylvie Lexo is with us. She's in the background and she's going to be the new showrunner. We were chatting about titles. Sylvie, we could name a show, something about brand, blah, blah, blah. Get to the point fast. I think we just got a new topic. So thank you very much. We have time for one or two more topics. Aaron Zitzer, I'm looking at your statement number two, and let's take this down to where we're really talking about the user experience. And you say the user experience can have a huge impact on conversion rates. And in most cases, listen up it needs to be optimized for mobile and desktop let's talk about that op that part of optimization Aaron go ahead um, so I, I think it's no surprise to anybody that more and more people are consuming content on their phones um, you know whether they're on social media or uh, whatever and they link off they might end up doing research on their phone um, they end up communicating even with the company you know using chat or phone or so, you know, optimizing the content for multiple devices is, is absolutely key. And that the user experience piece, um, you know, 
I think fortunately more and more companies are becoming mobile first, um, but a lot of times it's still an afterthought or some people still assume that if they have a, if they're using, you know, WordPress or some other content management system that offers a, you know, a mobile version, they think that's good enough. Um, but speed, uh, you know, it's not just how it looks, it's also how fast it loads and, uh, you know, are the interactions, you know, working the way that they're supposed to work. Um, you know, I think back to, to Google's trying to give its users the best experience. So if you search for something on Google and then you end up on a page that performs poorly, either it loads slow or it doesn't work the way that you expected, you know, it's in Google's best interest to penalize you and have you show up lower because they want you to find what you're looking for. So I just think it's important to kind of look at it from all aspects and how users are accessing your content um, and just keep that in mind as you're developing it. Very, very important. In my family, we buy digital gift cards for each other for birthdays, holidays, anniversaries. We don't wrap presents anymore, even with my granddaughters. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone to big name retail websites trying to buy an e-gift card. It's almost impossible to find the e-gift card first. It's not a separate category. When you get there, it's so convoluted. Sometimes I have to spend a half hour trying to buy one gift card. I finally gave up one year and I said to one of my granddaughters, can you pick a different vendor? I can't deal with this. A half hour trying to make it work, stopping and starting and getting thrown off the site and it didn't work. And they, it, it just amazes me, Aaron, that in this day and age, big companies haven't figured out how to give you a good user experience when you're there to spend your money just like that. I had a site recently that told me that the gift card was pending. It was going to take 48 hours to send it. And I kept saying to my son-in-law, did you get my birthday gift? He said, no, I didn't get it yet for two days. And I went back and I chatted with customer service on this major retailer. And they said, we have to check the validity of your credit card to make sure that we're going to give you that gift card. I said, wait a minute, that's an instant verification. It's a major credit card. My credit is over the top. They said, no, our policy is we hold the gift cards for 48 hours until we validate the credit. Now, seriously. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know if any of you were shocked, but I was embarrassed. I was really embarrassed. I had to say, okay, I ordered on Sunday. Your birthday was Sunday. Tuesday, now I know next year. Don't use that vendor or give him the card two days in advance of his birthday. So I need to be embarrassed. Let's quickly go around the table and get some comments on what Aaron talked about, that mobilization, that optimization of where do you get the content and what's your user experience. Tom Shapiro, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's spot on. You do have to verify that your users are having a fantastic experience, um, that that is part of the optimization process. So a good way of doing this uh, in, in reading their digital body language is to use behavioral intelligence tools. And so that's where you can see actual video recordings of their sessions. So you can't see their faces or anything like that. That would be super creepy, um, but you can see their screen and you can see everything that they're doing on their screen, every click, how, you know, where they're scrolling, where they're hovering, um, you know, any type of interactivity on the, on the uh, page. And, um, and that can show you where any friction occurs in the user experience. Along with those video recordings, which is obviously qualitative data, there's a lot of quantitative data that you can use as well, such as uh, click data or uh, heat mapping or scroll mapping or attention mapping. And these, all of these tools give, give this to you very easily. Um, and so when you do that, it's a way of 
not not just seeing page views and, and knowing that there were there's a lot of interest in this page, but it's saying, oh, okay, this page is delivering a fantastic experience, or wow, this this is getting a lot of page views, but <laughs> people are having a pretty bad experience on the page. So so I would I would encourage everyone to use behavioral intelligence tools. It's it's, it's invaluable for calculating the user experience. Thank you. I, when you said it would be creepy to see people's facial expressions, you know it's going to end up in an animated GIF or a GIF, whatever you call it, on Twitter where somebody said, I just went to such and such a website, had a really crappy experience, and the GIF is going to be some actress going, what, what, what? And they're going to, you see, and people are going to and they're gonna say, why was that there? Oh, they went to, and they're going to know it related to you. So you might not see the face, but you're going to get the animation of the impact of that. Diego, talk to us. What do you think? So it's it's something we've uh, we dealt a lot uh, recently in our marketing team, just looking at our mobile experience and making decisions. When you go to Google uh, Speed Insights and you see that your mobile uh, mobile your website is it's so slow that it's affecting your rankings, affecting everything. And so uh, one thing we did is we implemented the AMP, like that is the, the version, the mobile version of our website so with Google and it actually strips like all the elements that are in our uh, basic content, the, the forms, the scripts and all that, it makes it faster. And and just immediately you start seeing a spike in, in your traffic and oh, of course that will lead to conversions. So it's it's SEO and optimization, it's, it's not just thinking about, you know, content and writing and but also the technical part. Uh, and sometimes uh, we may forget that and some companies, it, it just bothers me when you go to a website and they don't have a mobile version and you have to just <laughs> zoom in to just read a paragraph. Uh, it's very annoying uh, because now, you, now we're used to that, right? And what most people will do is they just click the back button and, and stop reading, right? So it's, it's going to affect everything. If you don't think about where people are, you go to Google Analytics and it will tell you uh, the percentage of people who are accessing your website through mobile and through desktop and through uh, a tablet. So it's the information is out there. We just need to use the tools. We just need, just need to, to uh, look at the statistics at the data and do changes and make little changes and then look back and, and work on it. So it's part of, uh, you know, it's, it's a discipline as well to see what's working, what's not, and how can we improve every day and just check in our, our stats and, and see if a little change, maybe a plugin that we have on the website will, will make it faster or not. Thank you, Diego. Thank you, Aaron. I'm not going to go back to you for comments because I want to sneak in. We've got three minutes left, but I have to sneak in a quote from Reed Hoffman that was statement number four from Tom Shapiro. And Tom, we're just going to have time for you to unpack it for about 30 seconds before we okay. wrap. The quote is, Reed Hoffman, venture capitalist and LinkedIn co-founder, says the laughable ideas are often the best business ideas. And yes, Diego, we know we're not here to be entertainers and B2B, but this this is important. He sa Hoffman said, if you're laughed out of the room, it might actually be a good sign. Tom, I'll give you 60 seconds. Talk to us. What does this mean to you? Yeah, so uh, this really relates a lot to uh, conversion optimization in that, you, you know, you, you don't know what your users are going to enjoy. You don't know what the, what's going to resonate with them. You don't know exactly how to guide them to action. You have to test and test and test. And oftentimes, things that are very, very counterintuitive can produce ridiculously good results. And so, you know, you should never assume, you know, just test and let the, the data guide you. And I'll give you one quick, simple example. So for a financial services website, uh, we were working on their forms 
And we had one form that, that you know, requested a lot of information from the user. And instead we said, um, you know, look, the, the conversion rate for this is good, but what would happen if we broke this up into, and I'm not kidding, I'm not exaggerating, 11 steps. So we broke one form into 11 different steps where they had to click 11 different times to submit the form to get all of their information in. And, you know, you would typically think, wow, you know, no one's going to convert. Why would you do that? That's ridiculous. But again, sometimes the counterintuitive ideas are the most powerful. We wound up doubling the conversion rate. People loved the process. And, you know, we're thinking that because the information was in more digestible chunks, it wasn't as intimidating, right? It was easier to get involved. And then once you're in the swing of it, there's something in neuroscience called the Hemingway effect, where you don't like stopping when you're in the middle of a process. It's easier on the brain, you know, it's more enjoyable on the brain to continue to the end. And so I think that's what was happening. Thank you very much. I wish we had time for crystal ball predictions, unless you can each. Let me let me ask a quick question around the table. First, Aaron, then Tom, then Diego. Uh, in 2025, if we had this conversation again, would we still need to be talking about the difference between web optimization and SEO search engine optimization? Or will everybody know what to do by then? Aaron, yes or no? I hope that's the case. Ah, the eternal optimist. Tom, will we still need to be talking about it or will everybody get it? I think it's going to be a different conversation. I think we're going to have screens everywhere, whether it's your car dashboard, whether it's on a table, whether it's your refrigerator door, and optimization is going to be a whole different animal. Thank you. Diego, agree or disagree? Will we need to talk about it or not? The internet is going to be, it's not going to be the same. It's going to be look very different uh, in terms of uh, video and content and how we consume it. So I think we're still, need to, we're still going to need to talk about it just in a different term. I'm going to book you all for part two in 2025. I'm only joking. Sylvie is listening. Sylvie, get these people back. We need to do part two sooner than that. I want to say thank you to Aaron Zitzer at SAP and Aventi Group, Tom Shapiro at StratAbeat. Thank you. Diego Pineda at Vengresso. You've all shared your passion, your knowledge. I appreciate it, your camaraderie, your congeniality. I have really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you to series sponsor, Kristen Boileau. Welcome to Sylvie Lexo, new to the team. Thank you to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinary started out with me Aaron Zitzer Aaron Keller started out with me uh, three years ago at the age of 26 he's 62 now I've worn him down he really he's worn out but he's still a good kid uh, here's my call to action fasten your seatbelt what are you waiting for my car is still getting two months to the gallon how's yours doing go out and be a game changer today just like Aaron Zitzer just like Tom Shapiro just like Diego Pineda I'm Bonnie D. Graham, leaving the house. Have a good one, everybody. Stay safe. And remember, web optimization, the word of the day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Digital Engagement, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again, Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.